The number one regret I hear from people who've gone through a divorce is that they didn't prepare in advance. There's no do-over in divorce, so planning early in the process is a game changer. Divide and Thrive's Divorce Planner takes the guesswork out of what to do. Their planner has helped thousands of people throughout the U.S. and Canada save time and money during divorce and have peace of mind. Their program guides you through how to set divorce goals, tackle your budget with easy-to-use financial planning tools, streamlines your essential document collection, and simplifies asset cataloging. Recommended by divorce attorneys, mediators, and financial advisors, the easy-to-use planner helps you address the emotional and business sides of divorce and create your best next chapter. Check out www.divideandthrive.net for reviews and a peek inside the planner. Use code SUSAN22 for 20% off. Divorce is hard. Divide and Thrive makes planning for one easy. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Well, there are a lot of parents who out there are just dealing with a a co-parent who's not interested in being cooperative. Maybe they don't want to talk at all, or it may be a high conflict situation. Parenting, even under the best of circumstances, is challenging. And then when you add divorce to the mix, and then a co-parent who's not interested in being cooperative or falls into that high conflict category, I mean, it can really be overwhelming and exhausting. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm so happy to say that today I am joined again by our favorite parenting expert, Christina McGee. Thank you, Christina. Always a pleasure. Well, I just said, it's been a while since you've been here to join us, and you and I had a meeting last week on another matter, and you brought up a topic that I just think is so awesome. I love the title. Anyone who's listening right now already knows what the title is, but how do you co-parent when there is no co in your parenting? I mean, what a perfect topic and a perfect title. Uh, but before we dive into that, I just want to remind everyone or for new listeners, Christina is probably, I mean, if not, I call you the top parenting expert in the country, if not in the world. You are my top co-parenting and parenting expert. You are the author of the book that I send to every client, every parent that is getting divorced and my own personal uh, encyclopedia of parenting with my stepkids. It's called Parenting Apart, uh, How Separated and Divorced Parents Can Raise Happy and Secure Kids. 
You're also a trainer and a coach for parents, co-parents. Um, and the trainer, I'm happy to say, you and uh, both I, with along with some of our other trainers and uh, folks at Most and Guthrie, you've created an amazing training called the Co-Parenting Specialist Training um, that we've done. It's a certification training. We've had two cohorts, and we've got a new one coming up in September. I want to mention to the people who are getting divorced out there, if you want a divorce process with a professional who knows how to help you help your kids, look for one of our co-parenting specialists um, or reach out to Christina and I to get the name Absolutely. of one of them. Because that this whole training is something that Christina has created to help professionals help parents keep children at the center and not in the middle of divorce. So it's it's really groundbreaking. It's amazing. And we're doing another one. Professionals out there, we're doing another training at the end of September, early October. So you can go to mostinguthrie.com or Christina's website, divorceandchildren.com to find out more about that. Uh, but... Let's dive into how you're going to co-parent when there's no co in your parenting. And maybe we should just start, Christina, with what you mean by that. What do you mean that there's no, I, I think we can guess, but what do you mean <laughs> by when there's no co in your co-parenting? Well, there are a lot of parents who out there are just dealing with a, a co-parent who's not interested in being cooperative, who you know doesn't want to have, maybe they don't want to talk at all. They just shut down communication completely, or it may be a high conflict situation where everything is a hassle, like from talking schedules to lots of bad mouthing going on, um, kids coming to you with information you wish they didn't have, different parenting rules. You know, all of those just makes co-parenting a steeper hill to climb, right? It's already Parenting, even under the best of circumstances, is challenging, right? Yes. And then when you add divorce to the mix and you're operating out of two households and you're supporting two homes, yeah, it really becomes interesting. And then if you add to the mix a co-parent who's not interested in being cooperative or falls into that high conflict category, I mean, it can really be overwhelming and exhausting, I think exhausting is the word that I hear most often because yeah. it's it honestly is like beating your head into a wall almost because you can try and try and try to co-parent, to have those discussions with your co-parent. But I've seen these situations over the years where there is just usually one parent who does not have an interest in interacting with their other co-parent. Um, and they, for whatever reason, it might be a high conflict situation, it might be a narcissist, a borderline, it might be just someone who's really still angry or hurt or is stuck mm -hmm. in those emotions, but they are just not interested in working together. They wanna go do their thing, they don't wanna hear from you, and they wanna go do their, you, you to go do your thing. And so you have some wonderful tips because this is a common situation. I can't imagine you don't hear this all the time. Oh, so, I do. Yeah, right. I mean, it, well, and you work with parents, right? You work with both parents together, but I think even more often you work with one parent who's maybe in mm -hmm. this situation. Right. Well, because they have, I work with a lot of parents. I would say the majority of my practice is 
just working with one parent because they don't have a co (laughs) co parenting, right? As soon as they think it's a great idea, let's talk to a divorce coach, let's figure a way to make this work. The other parents like, thank you very much. And no, (laughs) they may not even say thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I might exaggerate a little bit. But but good point right there. And maybe that's before we even dive into your tips. That might be my first tip is just because your co-parent won't go to co-parent coaching with you, that does not mean that you can't go and get some help and get some support. Um, it's actually something that, and we're going to go through some of what you might be telling someone in one of those sessions, but I do think that it's really important for people to understand co-parenting assistance or support doesn't have to mean you have to do it with your co-parent. You can do these things and reach out for help on your own. But the first thing you say, and I think that this is a significant place to start is to lean into your co-parenting values. So let's talk, let's unpack that because I'm not sure everyone will understand what you mean by that. Well, I work with a lot of parents who have an uncooperative co-parent and it's so easy to kind of fall into that trap of just focusing more on trying to fix them. Like, what can I do to fix the situation, make it better, control it, or maybe change them? You know, you go through all of those things of if only, if I would just maybe then and it doesn't happen, right? And so in, instead of staying focused on that, I really recommend that people shift um, and direct their energy into what they do have control over, which is themselves. Like that's, that's the first thing, because otherwise you get caught kind of in this vicious cycle, right? Wishing that maybe the other parent would change or maybe they'll stop fighting or getting really angry, because yeah. they don't change her. Um, and a lot of parents feel very hopeless. Like, I'm never going to be able to do anything. This is never going to get any better. Um, and that may be true. I mean, I always think it's good to hold space for hope. But for now, this is kind of how things are. Um, or just trying to think that they can maneuver their way around the situation. And I, I think that that kind of puts you in this pattern of always reacting to yes. whatever your co-parent does instead of responding. And you you do, you get mired down and feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and helpless and depleted. So many parents feel completely depleted, emotionally exhausted. Um, so I really encourage people to identify, spend some time identifying what are your co-parenting values? How do you want to be showing up for your kids? What are your highest values? And that's what you operate out of, not what the other parent does or doesn't do. So can you give an example of a co-parenting value, maybe something common that you see and how that a parent would show up with that without it being reciprocated in their co-parent? Well, so for example, um, you might really value that your children feel grounded in family and have a good relationship with both of their parents. And so your value is I'm not going to bad mouth. I'm not going to say anything negative or criticize their other parent because I know that my kids think of themselves as half of each of us. So that's a value for me. Your co-parent may not support those values. They may do everything they can to run you into the ground, to say bad things about you. um, And you could kind of get in that cycle of doing tit for tat or 
you could make a decision about, you know, this is my value and I'm sticking to it. This is who I want to be. This is how I want to show up for my kids. I see. I love that because that's you in control. You're not trying to control your co-parent, which is where I think that hopeless and helpless comes. Um, so often what I see, in fact, I had this conversation. I talked to uh, someone who I had represented in her divorce a number of years ago now, and they actually had a relatively amicable divorce. And then their, unfortunately, their post-dissolution life has just gone downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ex-husband remarried. Um, the, the His new spouse is not particularly fond of my client. And so it's just been a very like difficult situation. And unfortunately for my client, she to this day still continues to try and explain to him why if he would just smile and say hello when she drops off the kids, that would be better for their kids. And she's still doing that. And, you know, I, God bless her. She's, I give her credit that she's not hopeless and helpless because we're talking about a lot of years of past year, but it is exhausting. And, and you're almost ceding some of your control over to your, your co-parent as opposed to just staying your course and sticking to your values as you were talking about. Right. Stay in your lane. Yeah. You do you. <laughs> you do you. I, I, but that's, that is what you have the control over. We talk about this so often in divorce. I bet if you went and listened to the 170 or so podcast yeah. episodes I've done, you, you can only control yourself. Stop trying to control your ex would be in most of them. But I love the concrete description of it that you gave because it is, you know, people look at that as, well, you know, I need to defend myself if they're, you know, saying bad things about me. Mm. I need to correct the record. I need to do this. I need to do that. Or why should I be the good guy and always take the high road if they're going to take the low road? Right. It's it's you doing you. Mm -hmm. Comes back to comes back to pay off in spades. Um. And, and I think that that is, that probably is important in that it leads to your second point, which for parents, this isn't a one and done type of thing. You take the high road or you do yeah. you once. You got to stay the course on this co-parenting right. journey or this solo parenting journey. <laughs> and that really has more to do with being consistent. Yeah. Um, so really, no matter, again, we're going back to this idea, no matter how your co-parent behaves, right, that's not what's motivating you to make the choices and decisions and take the kind of action. It's because this is how you want to show up. Um, and so, you know, this is really something that's super important. If you're in that kind of situation where you have a co-parent that's nasty one day and nice the next um, there's so many parents that get caught into that and they're like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, so one day their co-parent is, oh, come on, go to the movies with us. Or why don't you stay for dinner with me and the kids? And we'll all sit around and, you know, be uh, this new family where we're getting along. Right. And then the next day they're calling you every name in the book, reaming you out, sending you all these really combative long texts. And it's, again, you're kind of caught in that cycle. And you're also not doing your kids any favors because it's extremely confusing to kids. You know, why is it that 
parents can get along one day and not the next, like what changed? So they start trying to kind of evaluate and figure it out. When you stay the course, again, you're making a decision grounded in your co-parenting values about how you're going to engage with your co-parent, regardless of whether they're nice or they're nasty. Instead of making your, your action isn't motivated by what they're doing, it's motivated by how you want to be. And, and that's really important. And that has to do with how you answer emails, how you respond to text, you know, whether you take those invitations, um, whether you greet them when you both show up at the soccer game, you know, all of those things are really grounded in your co-parenting values and you don't have any control over how they're received, but your kids will also notice that, right? And we're wanting to stay committed to the long game, not the short haul. This is not easy, right? This is not an easy path to take. It's not easy in the moment, each time something comes up, but to stick to it over a long course of time, is it something that you think gets easier over time as you just, you know, stick to your course and, you know, that's just who you are? Or is it going to be hard each and every time something comes up? Well, and that kind of flows into my next tip, (laughs) which is adjust your expectations and accept that things are the way they are for now. Right. I spend right. a lot of time talking with parents about radical acceptance. So when you talk about, does it get easier? Well, it might not get easier, but how you manage it makes a difference, right? It may become more manageable for you because you've adjusted your expectations. You've stopped falling into this trap of wishing and hoping and trying to change and control and just accepted, you know, radical acceptance in a nutshell is kind of this idea of it is what it is, whether I like it or not, like you accept things as they are. And so what you may need to accept is that for now, I don't have a cooperative co-parent. The emotions are really strong and I'm going to have to make decisions about what kind of co-parent I want to be um, and, and allow the other co-parent to be who they are. Like, I can't fix that. I think the other part of that is those last two words for now, right? Yeah. So I think it's really important to hold space for hope. Maybe things can change in the future, but for now, this is what you're dealing with. And if they do, you can make a different decision. But it is really about kind of coming to terms. I think that's the part that becomes easier, quote unquote, because you adjust your expectations. You don't expect this is kind of par for the course, that all of a sudden they're going to like just show up at the door and be this wonderful, cooperative, nice, (laughs) communicative kind of co-parent. Unicorn, Um, you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Although, the unicorn's you know, coming to the door. <laughs> you and I were talking before we started this podcast about, you know, this vision I have of, you know, the co-parent that's like continuing to try to tell and advise the other parent, like the parent you were talking about. God bless her. She says, you know, if you would just smile at me and and I just have this like vision of this other parent, co-parent going, you know what, now that you've told me this 99th time or the... <laughs> 120th time, man, I got it. I got it now. All those other times, it just didn't make sense to me. But this time, now that you've told me, (laughs) I get it. 
Thank right? you so much for explaining yes. it to me and your persistence. You know, I really, really appreciate you saying this over and over and over again for the last five years. It's meant so much to me. <laughs> it just took me some time. And I wish I could say that in my 32 years of practice, I've seen that happen. I will tell you, I've never seen that happen in as long. And I think, you know, the, the thing that that really stands out for me in this adjusting your expectations is, is the radical acceptance part of it, because that is actually really hard to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, acceptance of something that you don't want is so hard to do. And maybe there's something about the for now that makes it a little bit easier. Like, this is what it is. I don't like it. I don't want it. But I have to accept it for now. Like, there's almost, to me, a one day at a time Mm. Mm -hmm. sort of aspect to that. And, and that, because in so many things in our lives, you know, I've been through, you know, we all go through changes and sometimes we have things that are not what we want. And there's the two ways to go through it, right? There's the fight against it every possible way, which is the send 5,000 emails trying to explain to your ex why if they just smiled at you and said, hello, nicely, when they dropped you drop off the kids, that would be better for them. Or you can just accept that it's, it isn't what it you want for now. So I, I like that one. I just acknowledge to anyone out there who's listening, it's it's going to be hard. A lot of these are going to be hard. There's nothing easy about co-parenting with someone when there's no co in it. In your co-parent, that's right. But the yeah. other piece of that is staying wedded to this idea, you know, pushing against that reality of how you wish things were or you hoped things were just keeps you stuck. Right. And miserable. I mean, that is like, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Um, And and so this idea of radical acceptance, yes, super hard. Um, And just because you accept it doesn't mean you have to like it. You can still not like it, but you acknowledge it for what it is and you quit investing your emotional energy in trying to create change or wishing. Um, and for me, the for now is like a game changer. Yeah. You know, because there are so many, there are so many really difficult situations that parents are dealing with, you know, child rejection, not having contact with your kids, yep. you know, trying to accept that as your reality or um, being in a situation where they have a really high conflict co-parent who's always spinning the narrative or calling the cops or putting the kids in the middle. I mean, there's so many really hard situations. And yeah, I had a parent just the other day say, like, is it ever going to get better? I don't know. But for now, for now, this is what you're dealing with. And this is what you need to stay focused on. And, you know, the other thing is that radical acceptance also kind of helps you break out of that cycle of like making yourself the victim Yes. Right. And, yes. and, and always like, I have some parents that go through the cycle of always like feeling like the bottom's falling out. Can you believe, you know, they'll say to me, can you believe that they said this to the kids? And I'm like, you know, I just, I just, I can't believe that they did that. And I'm like, really, really? Like, 
kind of some things like what they do. Yeah. You know, given all the things that we've talked about, really, and they're like, well, no. I mean, and so it's like you got to take yourself out of that cycle by acknowledging what is and by acknowledging things as they are. It also gives you options then for choosing how to respond. Like as long as you're staying caught in that cycle of trying to change it or fix it or push back against it, you can't look at other options. You can't make different choices because you're going to constantly just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And so how does that help your kids? Yeah, it does. Right. There's nothing about that that helps your kids. And, you know, but the other side of this is because people, I think, believe that if they accept that for now, this is the situation, they are in some way capitulating to the situation. Mm. They're they're rolling over and just saying, fine, you get to be a jerk. Right. And right. I, I, I'm okay with that. And and I know that's, you know, part of what you work with your your clients on as well. It doesn't mean you're rolling over. It means you're accepting. Right. There's a difference between accepting that this is the way things are. Um, and just throwing up your hands and going, well, there's nothing I can do. I don't recommend that right. um, because I think it's still really important when you talk about being grounded in your co-parenting values, right? That you still have limits, that you still talk about what's okay and what's not okay for you. You know, we all have that and, and we need to be very aware of those. Um, and so when issues come up, you need to weigh out. You know, how is this, how is my response going to impact my kids? If keeping your kids right in the center is one of your core values, then when you are approached with these different situations, right, with your kids, with a, with a co-parent who's not being cooperative, ask yourself, what's at stake here? And a really important question that I always like to ask is like, what can I do to make this better? And if I can't make it better, what can I do that will make things worse for my kids? I mean, it's really important to remember, we may not be able to fix it, but we always have the option of making it much worse. Well, that's a significant, significant factor for people because we lose sight of that. And it's not a question that until it's introduced into the conversation for parents often that they ever even think of. Um, that how how this how what they do can negatively impact their kids, um, and yet so much of what we do, you know, really can come back to trickle back and affect the kids. As you said, they're watching all mm -hmm. of this, right? They're watching their co your co parent, their other parent, um, not interact well with you or not, re you know, refuse to work with you, or they're seeing you continuing to perhaps beat your head into that wall with trying to, you know, trying to change things, your your inability to accept for now that things are the way they are. Hello, listeners. So I'm here with a blatant ask and a chance for us all to do some good. We are so excited because the show is growing every week and we're thrilled to be reaching more and more people who need help as they journey through their divorce and beyond. 
We know one of the best ways for people to continue to find the show is through your recommendations and reviews. So if you would, we would be ever so grateful if you would take a moment and leave us a five-star rating and tell us in a review why you love the show. For all the reviews left on Apple Podcasts in August and September 2022, we will be making a donation to Rainbows for All Children, which is an amazing charity that supports children experiencing grief of all kinds through facilitated peer groups within their communities. You can get more information about Rainbows at rainbows.org. And thank you so much. Stay tuned for more from America's favorite parenting expert, Christina McGee, who shares her top tips for managing a difficult co-parent. The other piece of that, though, is that sometimes I think parents fall into the trap of thinking that if we give kids more information and an explanation, that that will somehow fix it for them when what they really need is for us to validate their feelings. Gosh, I can see how much it sucks that you're not you're not on the soccer team you wanted to be on. I'm sorry this is so hard for you. Like how does this feel for you, right? Instead of digging into trying to explain the other parent or the dynamics of the situation. If you're enjoying this week's episode, be sure to check out last week's show with Super Sleuth Jan Barefoot the Barefoot PI who shared all the ways that a private investigator can be your secret weapon in divorce. If I am bringing bad news to my client, you know, news that their spouse is having an affair, it, it does give them peace of mind. It makes them feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. He was lying all, all along. And sometimes that's the turning point where they change from being emotional in their case to taking care of business. And now we return to today's show. So what can you, as a parent, as the, the parent without a co-parent, so to speak, what can you do to help your kids deal with this? Yeah, I say that it's really important that we give our kids a context for understanding the conflict and also an alternate perception of reality. And this is especially important when kids are being given information by one parent that you know, you may feel is grossly incorrect, not true, uh, a lie, bad mouthing, you know, yeah. all of all of that kind of stuff, because it, a lot of parents, even when they have a somewhat cooperative co-parent still may struggle with this kind of issue, you know, where they really wish their kids weren't told that parent decides to set the record straight or give them their side of the story. So, you know, when you have that type of situation, a lot of parents fall into one of two camps, like they either overindulge kids with information and they set the record straight themselves, or they tell them their side of the story and they give them all these details, or they go the other direction and they don't say anything at all. And neither of those options are helpful for kids. So really what kids need is kind of a way to make sense of it. And it's okay for you to put your stake in the ground and say, well, you know, I sounds like dad is really angry with me. And sometimes when a parent is angry, they may say things to try to hurt someone's feelings or say mean things about them. I don't agree with the way dad's handling his feelings. I don't agree with what he said. Or you can turn it around and you can say to kids, you know, what do you think about what dad said? Right. Inviting them to share their experience about what is going on, because there's something about alternate perception of reality that sounds to me like you're 
you're going to create some like alternate world, but it's really <laughs> giving them information that's that's channeled through your perspective or through that lens of your values, your parenting values, your co-parenting values. Um, Without sounds- drawing them deeper into the conflict. Exactly. That's the thing. So when we, because, you know, some parents might say, all right, Christina, alternate perception of reality. So if I'm telling them my side of the story, that's another perception, right? Yes. Okay. Well, let's just play that out. Okay. So, you know, let's just say that your child comes to you and says, you know, uh, mom said the divorce is all your fault. You weren't a good provider. You know, you flirted with every woman on the block in our neighborhood and she couldn't stay married to you. Okay. Well, at that point, <laughs> dad has some choices to make, right? He sure and he does. Can go, he could say, oh, did she really? Well, let me tell you something about mom, right? And he could dish all kinds of things out about mom, about what a horrible housekeeper she was, and she spent too much money. And, you know, she was actually the one that was flirting with everyone on the block, could do that. So yeah. what does that do for little Brittany, right? Who's listening to all this? Well, so Little Brittany takes all of these facts that dad just gave her and goes, what, right back to mom and says, hey, mom, dad said, and then mom loads, lock and load, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, did he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And just to fill Brittany up with a whole bunch more information that she shuttles back trying, you know, and this kid is like just mired in all of this adult stuff issues right and doesn't know what to do with them so if we like roll that back and we say little Brittany comes to dad and shares with dad what mom said about him not being a good husband he can say wow sounds like mom's feeling really mad you know or that may be the way mom sees it that's not the way i see it i don't agree with what mom said right ends there ends there There's no need for tit for tat. There's no need to set the record straight. I mean, I know one of your things, I want to insert this here for parents because I think this is an important point and we've talked about it before, but, and you said this, you know, you saying nothing to your children or, oh, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. You don't need to worry about it. You're a kid. Let the adults worry about it. That can actually make kids a little crazy because now they're, Mm -hmm. they're being told when they clearly feel something's not right, but they're being told everything's fine. Yeah. So there are times where you need to give information to children, depending on their age and all. But you say, um, you know, talk about the problem, not the person. And I'd love to have you explain that here, because I think it's it sounds like it it makes sense. But I don't know that always people understand the distinction between the problem and the person. The distinction is, is that sometimes our kids come to us, you know, with issues. So for example, I might be coaching a parent, you know, parents couldn't agree about an extracurricular activity and the child's really upset. Why am I not getting to play soccer? Right. Right. And, and the parents couldn't agree. And so versus getting into a really long-winded explanation and saying, you know, well, if your mother had only done this, this, and this, then you could have played soccer, but she didn't inform me. And, you know, so we're going down this road of really giving this long explanation. And so we're probably going to have to go to the court. If we go to the court, the court's going to have to decide whether or not you can play soccer and God, what are kids supposed to do with that? So that's about, that's like a a level of, 
talking about getting into um, parents, you know, your mom, if she was more responsible, she would have taken care of it. She's more agreeable, but she disagrees with me all the time. We could travel down that road. When you focus on the problem, maybe all this child needs to hear is, you know what, right now, mom and I are having a hard time working out the scheduling. That really sucks for you. I get it. I hope in the future we can do a better job. That's focusing on the problem. That is the problem. The problem is that parents are not communicating right now. Um, we're having a tough time. And that's what your kid needs to know, but they don't need to know that mom slept with the gardener. <laughs> yes. If that. mom hadn't had her boyfriend move in, then, you know. Right. And that's, you know, sometimes what parents think is, is tell our children deserve the truth. They need to know about their other parent. They don't need your perceptions or your adult perceptions of their other parent. They do need to maybe understand the dynamic of what's happening or the actual facts. I guess dynamic is the wrong term. They need to know. Sure. The they need to know. They, they need you to provide a context for what's the problem. The problem is, is that parents aren't agreeing, right? Or um, the problem is we're having a tough time communicating with each other right now. The other piece of that, though, is that sometimes I think parents fall into the trap of thinking that if we give kids more information and an explanation, um, that that will somehow fix it for them, right? When what they really need is for us to validate their feelings. Gosh, I can see how much it sucks that you're not, you're not on the soccer team you wanted to be on. I'm sorry this is so hard for you. Like, how does this feel for you, right? Instead of digging into trying to explain the other parent or the dynamics of the situation, what you really need is to show up for your kids. And I, it's got to be really hard to hear different things from each of your parents. You're probably wondering, who should you believe? I want you to know it's not your job to figure out who's right or wrong. Your job is to love both of your parents as much as you want, and our problems are not your problems, right? Those are the kind of things. Another really important message for parents to communicate to kids, especially if there's a high level of conflict and when parents like openly displaying, you know, their dislike or contempt for the other parent, it's, it's important for kids to hear just because mom is upset with me doesn't mean you need to be upset with me. Just because I'm not getting along with dad doesn't mean you don't need to get along with dad, right? It's completely separate. Um, and I think that that's a really powerful concept for kids to hear. Yeah, that's actually really significant, what you just said, right? Because children get put, that's putting your kids in the middle where they feel that they have to mirror the feelings of one of their parents toward the other parent because there's some loyalty sort of issue there. And that's literally putting your children in the middle of the two of you. And unfortunately, you know, I think for parents, it's, it's not, you know, it's natural to want to feel that your children love you and that they, you know, but there, but there's something you have to recognize about, making yourself feel better by making your children upset with their other parent. It doesn't make you a better parent. What is it? You have a great phrase for this. Oh, oh, making the other parent look small will never make you look big. <laughs> I 
Exactly. That was the one I was looking for. And and it, because it's oh so true, right? You don't get bigger just because you make your your co-parent smaller um, and, and denigrate them to your your you know, to your children. You and I talked before we started taping, and I think there's one final takeaway that I know you have that I really think sort of brings this all home for everybody. And I think will bring comfort to those who are listening and who realize or who are in this situation or are so worried about the effects of this discord between parents on their kids. So, so that, you know, let's, let's end things with that final takeaway. Well, my final takeaway is don't forget about the power of one, right? There's so many parents that I work with that are just really struggling with what does this mean for my kids? If we can't have a cooperative relationship, if they're going to constantly be caught kind of in this conflict that right? the other parents not going to, not going to show up for them and put, put them in the center, um, you know, are we ruining their lives? And I think it's really important to remember that if kids can have one stable, nurturing parent, right, who really stays focused on them, they are going to fare far better than if nobody gets it together. Nobody's focused on them, right? Children can grow up happy. They can be resilient and secure, but you can only control your side of the fence, and if you can be that one stable, nurturing, consistent force in their lives that validates their feelings, that tries to give them a context for understanding why there are some challenges in their two households, you know, they may not be okay right now, but they will be. That's, you know, that's, that's the power of one is what makes all those things that we just talked about that are hard in this co-parenting without a co um, or when there's no co in your co-parenting, uh, that is what makes it easier to stick to the road. Keep that at the top of your mind, that you holding it together, you being the best parent that you can be in your lane is going to be the best thing that you can do for your kids. And it's the actual getting down into the, the, the mud with your co-parent and going down to that level that actually yeah. leaves your kids with no parent or with no positive parenting. So there is a huge power in the power of one when it comes to co-parenting. Absolutely. And, and I just want to add to that, like we've already underscored, this isn't easy. <laughs> there are going to be no. some days where it's like going to totally suck that you are the one, right? That, because you're going to deal with some of the emotional fallout of kids and, you know, having to constantly explain or bite your tongue or you know, swallow happen. your pride. It yep. is, it is tough. So make sure that you're taking care of yourself and that you have a support team, right? That you have like-minded people who are going to support you and being the best version of yourself in being that co-parent that's really showing up for your kids. And that could involve a coach. It could involve a counselor or a therapist. It could involve having a good friend who's not going to throw fuel on the fire, um, getting good information from a co-parenting book, listening to a podcast, but like make sure that you're doing things to nurture yourself and, and, and be gentle with yourself right there. You're not going to get right every time. And when you mess up, 
use it as an opportunity to learn from it. All right. So, and I do this a lot with clients like, okay, this situation didn't happen the way you wanted it to. So if we were to go back and redo, what have you learned? What would you do different next time? Because I can guarantee you this situation is going to come up again. (laughs) So what are you going to do the next time? Which that's actually a great point. And I'm wondering when it happens, because it is going to happen. None of us are perfect. My whole episode as we tape this is about perfectionism this week and, Uh. you know, how we got to let that go. Um, So nobody's perfect. And so any co-parent is going to have, you know, a space where your kids might see you not be your best co-parent or not. So what do you say to them in that moment? When you've made a big mistake. Yeah. Like you blew up at their co-parent or, you know, something, um, you know, you, you told them more than you should have told them about something, or you just, you know, you didn't live up to your co-parenting value in a moment. Well, we will go back to one of my favorite t-shirt slogans, which is if you mess up, fess up. Right. Yes. And so if you mess up with your kids, if something didn't go off the way you wanted it to, then have a circle back conversation, calm down, think it through, circle back and say to your kids, you know what? I messed up. I lost my temper. I was feeling really angry and I didn't show up for you the way I really wanted to. So I apologize for that. And moving forward, here's the way I want to do things differently. And if you catch me not, (laughs) yeah, not holding my tongue, saying things that make you uncomfortable about your other parent, I want you to let me know. What a powerful example and lesson for kids that you can make mistakes and then you do something about it. Um, and, and so I all, yes, you're going to make mistakes. The question is, what do you do with them after you make them? Do you learn from them? Do you circle back? Do you teach or use it as a teaching moment with your kids? Or do you just sweep it under the rug and move on? Right? That's, that seems easier <laughs> in the moment, but you're right. Of course ex- it is. Exactly what I was thinking when you were saying that is think of the power of what you are modeling for your kids when they mess up because they're going to, you know, you're teaching them and you're showing them in real time that one of the most important adults in their lives can make mistakes and then mess up and fess up and, and yep. do better the next time. And, and there's that, that in and of itself is such a gift to your children. They are always watching and they are mm-hmm. always learning from what you do. Don't think you and I both hear this all the time. Oh, they don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay. Leading parenting expert in the world right there just laughed when I said that, folks. All right. Your kids know what is going on. You are not that good of actors. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt didn't can't ever believe that their kids don't know what's going on. Trust me. Your kids know what's going on. So, yeah, so they use do. use those mistakes, use those opportunities to to help them as they grow up and, and face some of these situations in their lives. So Christina, as always, an amazing mm-hmm. episode, wonderful advice. For those people who would like to dive deeper and maybe get some help with their co-parenting, I know you do, as we've mentioned, co-parenting coaching, parenting mm-hmm. coaching with one parent, and also you're going to be plan uh, doing strategy sessions with people. Yes. Do you want to explain what that's going to be? 
So for parents that maybe are in the early stages or they're dealing with a difficult situation um, and they just want to get some immediate feedback to kind of craft a plan um, about how to move forward, what's that next step I take, they're not necessarily needing um, weekly coaching sessions over a period of time, but they just want something that's kind of laser focused, here's the issue, let's talk through it, let's gather some resources. That's really what a strategy, it's like creating a strategy for whatever situation or issue you're dealing with. Um, and that's a much more focused, actionable call where you walk away with tangible resources that you can start using right away. Like like get on this issue right now. So, and and you'll be surprised folks, I mean, an hour of time when you are laser focused on a particular issue. I mean, look what you all just learned in about 40 minutes on this podcast from Christina. So just imagine if she's speaking to you directly and talking about what is going on in your particular situation with your kids. So if people want to book a session with you, they can go to divorceandchildren.com, your website, um, and they can get the book there or on Amazon and all places where books are sold. So, so yeah. yeah. Be sure, you know, folks, I just want to mention about the book. Um, great to read it cover to cover. It's hundreds of pages of really great information. But I just also want to point out when you are having an issue, one of the things that I like to do, go to the table of contents, find the topic in here and go read those four or five pages because it's going to really hone you in um, like a mini, mini strategy session from Christina on some some coping uh, tips and strategies to deal with it. So it's not no, that's one, so important. Yeah, it's not a one read and done. This is like something if actually you should come out with a nice little mini version or an app so that we can carry it around <laughs> with us. But it's a wonderful resource, Christina. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And, and I know we're going to have you back on again. Um, you and I have already brainstormed a couple more topics, but uh, it's always wonderful to be able to share some co-parenting tips, especially when you don't have a co in your co-parent. Well, it was a fabulous conversation as always. And I, I love being here and I love the work that you're doing and the information you're giving parents. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.